listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Coming to you from the Windy City Slam Studios in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, this is Windy City Slam Podcast. Welcome in everyone, Mike Pankow here, the founder and editor of WindyCitySlam.com and the host of Windy City Slam Podcast. And boy, do we have a newsworthy episode for you this week. Lots of local news to talk about, plus our special guest this week, he is the manager and mouthpiece extraordinaire. You know you love him, or you probably hate him in this case. Frank the Clown joins the show, and we'll get to all of that and so much more coming up right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. Stay tuned. Wrestling fans often talk about psychology in the squared circle, but what about your individual psychology and mental health? The counselors at True Heights Treatment offer in-person or virtual appointments. To learn more, go to www.trueheightstx.com or give them a call at 708-248-7039. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's your boy, Mason Perks, and you're listening to Windy City Slam, baby. The best podcast the shy has to offer on professional wrestling. So turn it up, turn up. It's your boy, Mason Perks, and you're listening to Windy City Slam Podcast. Yeah. Back here on Windy City Slam Podcast. Big week locally last week in major promotions. Starting with NXT, Tuesday, July the 12th, Cora Jade turns heel just after she and Roxanne Perez won the NXT Women's Tag Team titles from Toxic Attraction. Cora turns on Perez during Roxanne's NXT Women's Championship match against Mandy Rose. So now we have one heel and one babyface, and they're still the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. That's going to be interesting to see where they go from here. There's going to be some storytelling here for sure. Uh, Cora Jade is probably going to be upset that she never got the one-on-one match at the title with Mandy that Roxanne just got. I think that's part of the whole thing. But let's see how it plays out on NXT TV over the coming weeks. Also... Our friend of the show, Project Monix, made a cameo appearance as a fan at ringside when Giovanni Vinci stole his phone during Vinci's match against Apollo Crews. I totally marked out when I, I thought, like, wait a minute, is that Pat Monix? Is that Project Monix sitting ringside? And sure enough, it was. And it was an amazing sight to see. Very cool to see Pat get a little bit of additional national exposure. Turning to local news and This is a shocker. Shockwaves in the Chicagoland wrestling scene. Warrior Wrestling Stadium Series show number one, which was scheduled for Saturday night, July the 23rd, has been canceled. Shocking. And 
Also, future Stadium Series shows uh, are apparently up in the air at this time, and those shows originally are scheduled for August the 20th and September 3rd. And Warrior Wrestling President Steve Tortorello told Windy City Slam via email this Sunday morning, and I quote, We just need to cancel next week for business reasons and a few personal reasons. On the business side, we just had an incredibly weak advance, so the show isn't going to be feasible. And that's really too bad because Steve and Eric work so hard to make a great product. And they've always been fair and, and great to me over here at Windy City Slam. They're some of the first people to kind of welcome me in as media for Chicagoland Wrestling. And it was quite disheartening to see this happen to Warrior. And maybe they bit off a little more they can, than they can chew with running shows almost every month and trying to get the top-level talent. It's it's the can-you-top-this mentality of every show, and they've done a tremendous job with that. And even getting a guy like Will Ospreay, I mean, it's hard to top Will Ospreay being Warrior Wrestling Champion. And now that Ospreay's lost that title, it's a little difficult. So we, I'm, we got to cut him some slack a little bit, and hopefully Steve and Eric and the folks at Warrior Wrestling bounce back, and hopefully they'll be back very soon, so stay tuned. And I neglected to mention a little earlier, too, AEW announced All Out is back on Labor Day weekend at Now Arena in Hoffman Estates. You can catch the NXT news, the AEW news, and other local items on WindyCitySlam.com's Around the Ring story, now posted on the website. Also, this past weekend, I was honored and privileged to attend the Midwest Wrestling Reunion for the very first time. This is like, I believe their fifth iteration of it. And it was at Barbecued Productions in Lake Zurich. Great place, great atmosphere, probably a hundred to 125 wrestlers, people associated with the business, like announcers, referees, promoters, and fans all converged on Barbecue Productions. It was a great time. Thumbs up to Chaz Moretti for running a tight ship over there. And some great award winners were in attendance. Some were not due to scheduling conflicts and other reasons. But let me run down some of the award winners from this event. The male wrestler of the year was current Berwyn Championship Wrestling Champion, Joe Alonzo. He unfortunately was not in attendance. The female wrestler of the year, current Chicago-style wrestling women's champion, Heather Reckless. Unfortunately, Heather was not there either. And the announcer of the year goes to the legendary one and only Mr. Riccolo. And I spoke to Mr. Riccolo after the event on Sunday, and he was just so overjoyed with being bestowed with this honor. And he also introduced the tag team of the year, the brothers of Funstruction, Ruffo and Yabo. And yes, for the very first time, Mr. Riccolo, in a public setting, admitted that they are his sons. Ruffo and Yabo are Mr. Riccolo's sons. There was It was common knowledge among the fans and the close people in the business, but not maybe in the public eye, but now it's out there. And let's take a listen to what Mr. Riccolo had to say about himself and his sons. I tell you, what a fantastic time here at Barbecue Productions. A great awards show, so many deserving people tonight, and there's so many more deserving people that need these type of awards, and it's great 
that the uh, Midwest Wrestling Reunion does a, a, a show like this is fantastic. Yeah, here we're here with the 2022 Manager of the Year and the father of the 2022 Tag Team of the Year, the Brothers of Construction. Ring announcer of the year. The manager, but you never know because Ringmaster Rickwell will be appearing in coming in upcoming shows when the Brothers of Construction will, you might say, reunite once again. My bad on that, the ring announcer of the year. Although you probably could be a manager because you fashioned yourself different Bobby Heenan. Well, <laughs> thank that's, that's, that's a great compliment. But nobody, nobody, Bobby Heenan often imitated, never duplicated. So what was it like to be the ring announcer of the year and be awarded with that honor? Well, it, it, it's a great honor. You know, like like I mentioned earlier, I said my, my, my big thanks to uh, guys like where I got my start with Jimmy Blaze, Dave Storm, you know, and, and guys, Ryan Cross, you know, Rock and Randy, Robert Anthony, T Tony Scarpone, uh, Ron the Lumberjack, Mitch Blake. There's so many hosts of other promoters that hired me. And I appreciate that because um, uh, I'm not the best ring announcer around, but I look at it this way. I do it better than the next guy, as far as I'm concerned. And, and, and I love what I do. And, and, and I don't go by the book sometimes. I actually go, a little bit further. And then we have the manager of the year, the mouth of the Midwest, JP, who was not at the event on Sunday, but he was presented with his award this past Saturday night at Brew City Wrestling up in Milwaukee. And then we had the officials award went to the twin brother referees, Justin and Robert King. Rob is now head of security for AEW who wasn't there, but Justin was indeed in attendance. And after the show, I had a chance to catch up a little bit with Justin and ask him a little bit about the award. And he also reflects on what former WWE superstar helped pull him out of a rut after he was let go by WWE several years back. I'm, I'm actually surprised that we got the award. Uh, me and Robert have had a tremendous career. Uh, in and out of the country, um, but we've never been recognized. So it was a shock to me that I got the award uh, and we accepted graciously just because Illinois is where we got our start. I live in Illinois, Robert lives in Illinois. And uh, it's just, I'm, I'm grateful that uh, Chaz and everyone was able to see what we've done, you know, as referees and how we've changed the landscape of referees in the United States. So. Now you mentioned a little bit after you got let go from WWE that you just hated wrestling. Was it just kind of a, a normal like downer for you when you uh, got released and then you were kind of trying to figure out what your next step would be? I think that with WWE, um, it's business. You know, you go and you do your job, you go home. There's no real friendships. I mean, you may make one or two friendships, but I think the ultimate goal in WWE is to please the fans um, and please the several bosses that you have. And it's not, it's, there's, there's, it, it goes from being, an FCW was fun. And FCW was, was amazing, you know. But then you get on the road and it's it's all business all the time. And I think with my injury, um, most don't know that I broke my foot completely off my leg in 2010. Um, I had six surgeries to repair myself. WWE was great. I was grateful enough that WWE took care of me on that. But I missed a lot into, a lot out of my career because of it. And um, I was just in a, a dark place. Um, I think that this business can be good for you and it can be bad for you. And in that time, it was bad for me. So I 
had to take the time off and I had to reevaluate my life and what I wanted to do. I definitely wasn't going to do any drugs or anything like that. You know, I was never going to down, you know, go into mm -hmm. that spiral. But I hated, I hated wrestling. I hated all of it. Yeah, and then uh, it was indie wrestling that kind of uh, brought you back in. Yeah, uh, the great Kali, um, who I drove around with in WWE, he was so good to me, like a big brother to me. And in 2015, on Christmas Day, he asked me to come to India. What credit to uh, Ricardo Rodriguez, um, uh, Jesus, mm -hmm. who is uh, one of my dear, dear friends, uh, asked me to come to India. He had a brainstorming idea to bring wrestling to India. Kali brought me in as the sole referee. Um, we had one local referee, and then we had me for 14 matches. And I got the passion back after doing that, and then I became Kali's assistant. And from that, it's been, it's been country after country after country, and life is good again. So, you know, I, I think that... You have to find the passion. You got to find out what's good for you. And Kali was able to bring that out of me again. And the wrestlers, you know, that I worked with, all international superstars from Apollo to Bordy Still to uh, Mike Hughes and people that people don't know that really make wrestling what it is. And that's how this is uh, the Midwest uh, reunion. Uh, you know, Yabo the Clown and, and, and Ruff. I don't know what Ruff goes by as a clown, but Ruff Crossing and Melanie Cruz and the Soul Touchers and all these guys that I started with beforehand, they enjoy the business. They appreciate the business. And for that, it's been uh, a life-changing event for me. And my twin brother, Robert, same thing. He's gone through the ringer to get to where he is. And he's happy now, you know, and it took him a long time to be happy. So, yeah. And then we had the Promoters of the Year Award. And that went to Ed Hellier and Mark Caval of Steel Domain Wrestling, based up in the Twin Cities. The Lifetime Achievement Award went to Eddie Sharkey, who unfortunately at age 86 and had some health issues, he could not travel to the show. But great honor for a guy that helped train and discover talent like the Road Warriors, Ravishing Rick Rude, Medusa, and many others up in Minnesota. And then we had the Special Recognition Award, and this was just a whole lot of fun to see these guys talk. It was The Soul Touches, and this was Marche Rocket, Acid Jazz, Willie the Bomb Richardson, and C-Red, who were all in attendance, and Trauma Jake Washington, part of the group, but not in attendance. And this was a honor long time coming to a group of guys who were trailblazers in the Chicagoland scene over the past 15, 20 years. They have roots going back to Windy City Wrestling and Chikara. And Marche Rocket has obviously been everywhere. And Acid Jazz as well. And just an amazing honor for these guys. And Acid Jazz was a riot as he usually is. And it was great to see these guys get their just due. And again, great event over at the Midwest Wrestling Reunion. Stay tuned to WindyCitySlam.com for a recap story plus a photo gallery from the special event. Moving on to results from this past weekend, we had three really big shows in the Chicagoland area. Friday night, July the 15th, AAW Pros, The Independence, over at 115 Bourbon Street in Marionette Park. And the results were as follows. We had Davey Vega defeating Shane Hollister. And in a number one contenders match for the AAW Heavyweight Championship, one called Manders against Fred Yehi. And that ended in a no contest. And then after the match, Jake Something came out and called out Danny Daniels and punched him. So what were they going to do with one called Manders and Fred Yehi? Well, they got put into the main event in a triple threat match against the champion, 
the gunslinger, Matt Fitchett. And we'll get to that in just a few minutes. Rush Jones defeats AJ Alexander. Then we had Braden Lee and Big Beef Gnarls Garvin defeat Karam and Silas Young. A four-way number one contenders match for the AAW Women's Championship. Billy Starks defeats Lady Frost, Sierra, and Vert Fixin. Very impressive debut in AAW for Billy Starks, and now she's the number one contender for the Women's Championship. AAW Tag Team Championships. ACH and frontman Jossie defeat Ace Perry and Hammerstone to win the titles. AAW Women's Championship. Christy Janes retains over Heather Reckless. Ren Jones defeats Nate Webb. In a scramble match, Jake Something defeats Calvin Tankman, Levi Everett, Mike Hartenbauer, and Schaff. And in the main event, the three-way elimination match for the AAW Heavyweight Championship, Matt Fitchett retains, defeating one called Manders and Fred Yehai. Switching to... Chicago-style wrestlings in the heat of the night at the American Legion in Franklin Park. That was also this past Friday night. And this show probably had the best match of the entire weekend when Vic Capri defeated Davey Richards. It was an electric match, an electric atmosphere. A lot of the younger CSW talent surrounded the ring, started banging the mat. It was just this unbelievable sight unbelievable moment and you had to be there to feel the energy of the crowd i unfortunately could not be there due to other circumstances but just the video that i saw from this match remarkable stuff results from the show are as follows on the pre-show at alpha zeta zeta defeating bugs moran and bayou bill moondog murray won the futures battle royal then on the main show we had tj Steele defeating joey mayberry Five-man scramble, Acid Jazz defeats Dreambreaker Aaron Stone, Marco Anthony, Doom Montgomery, and the returning Saban Gage. Then we had Big Mood, Mateo Valentine, and Jack Moody defeating Team Ambition of Mason St. Goods and Mike Outlaw. But during the match, we saw a little bit of friction between Moody and Valentine. Adam Stallion defeats Team Ambition's Tootie Lynn. In a three-way hoss fight, we had Marche Rocket defeating Cypher and Cody James. Jax Johnson defeats Daisy Kill by submission. Now, if you, you see Daisy Kill, he was in CSW at some point on, under a different persona, but this is Daisy Kill, and he came back to face Jax Johnson, but Jax Johnson gets the win. And like I said before, Ice Pick Vic Capri defeats Davey Richards and after a slice spread and just an all-time great match, incredible atmosphere. And then we have the CSW Tag Team Champions, the Dope Kings, Filth King Brubaker, and CJ Esparza teaming up with Sky Blue. And they defeat Team Babushka, a bombshell Shelly, Mario Pardua, and attorney Eric Schultz. And in the main event, it was CSW Metro Division Champion, Superstar Steve Boz, retaining the title by defeating career killer, Chris Miller. Next month's CSW show is Friday night, August the 19th, and former WWE superstar Carlito will be the special guest. And thanks once again to the awesome Steve Arendt for helping us out with CSW results. This past Saturday night, July the 16th, 
Powell Entertainment presented Saturday Night Fights at the Teawood Bar and Grill in Wooddale. It's your boy, Mason Perks, defeating Masked Marauder. And then Stylin' Shane Eaton gets a victory over Jimmy Blaze. Kazile defeats Mateo Valentine. Former Powell Entertainment champion Scott Spade with Tiny defeats Moondog Murray in Moondog's Pow debut. Then we had Meat Hooks O'Bannon defeating Tommy McCobb. And for the Pow Midwest Championship, JPH knocks off Rough Crossing to win the title. And coming up this week, without Warrior Wrestling on this Saturday night, there's still a few shows you can check out. Starting with Thursday night, July the 21st, Second Wrestling presents Walk This Way at Kings and Convicts Brewery in North Suburban Highwood, Illinois. Bell time is 7 o'clock. Billy Starks will defend her second wrestling championship against Chelsea Green. Plus, we'll see a four-way match with Heather Monroe, Killa Kate, Emmy Camacho, and Ali the Lion. Plus, you'll see Eric Cannon, Warhorse, Dan the Dead, Cole Radrick, Jackson P. Larkin, WWE legend Gangrel, plus Darren Corbin will be lurking. So you never know when you may see a ginger snap. Also this Saturday night, July the 23rd, Northland Pro Wrestling presents Burnout at the American Legion in Lake in the Hills. Sky Blue will be on the show, making a special appearance. Also Saturday night, July the 23rd, Rockford Damage Incorporated, wrestling at the Teamsters, Teamsters Hall in Rockford, the Rockford Damage Championship, James Storm, defending against NWA's Tom Latimer. Also Saturday night, the 23rd, Southland Championship Wrestling presents Star Spangled Beatdown at the Shabantz Civic Center in Shabantz. Also Saturday night, July the 23rd, Crash Tested Wrestling presents Reality Check in Hobart. Also Saturday night, July the 23rd, Zawa Live at K Sports Bar in Oregon. And Saturday night, July the 23rd, just north of the border, Racine Championship Wrestling presents Rejuvenation in Racine. And Sunday afternoon, late afternoon, early evening, Gali Lucha Libre number 519 at the Gali Studios in Villa Park. You will see Sam Adonis in action. Coming up next, right here on Windy City Slam Podcast, Frank the Clown. Stay tuned. Want to get more customers for your business? Promoters, do you want more exposure for your upcoming event? Windy City Slam Podcast can be your tag team partner. Advertise with Windy City Slam and reach wrestling fans in the Chicagoland area and in the Midwest. Message us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email MikePankow at WindyCitySlam.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-N-K-O-W at WindyCitySlam.com. All right, back here on Windy City Slam, and so very happy to have back. And we welcome back one of our top guests from last year for a return engagement. He's Mr. Warrior Wrestling, a self-proclaimed freelance Frank champion, WWE Network and Peacock Megastar, a very ecstatic LA Rams fanboy, and manager and mouthpiece extraordinaire, Frank the Clown. 
I would say that was probably a better intro than you gave me last time. That I, I judge people by their intros, and uh, that that satisfies Frank the Cloud. I'll take that. Okay, very good. I'm glad I was able to satisfy you. <laughs> All right, um, let's get into it. You have expanding the Frank the Clown Enterprises to several promotions over the last year, and you've been all over Warrior Wrestling, Freelance Wrestling, Freelance Underground, Zello Pro, and there's even a promotion down in Florida you did some stuff for. Yeah, I mean, Frank the Clown is in high demand. What, what, what can he say? Uh, you know, it, it's, it's only, it was only a matter of time. You know, people didn't want to believe in Frank the Clown for many years, and then one by one, they all become believers, whether they want to admit it or not. So Frank the Clown's not only the king of Chicago and the face of Chicago wrestling, now he's the face of Florida wrestling. Frank the Clown has uh, bookings in, in Texas and on the East Coast in Jersey, perhaps on the West Coast very soon. I've been around the world and back, and wherever I go, the main events follow. So uh, there will be a lot of Frank the Clown to be had. We're in the midst of hot clown summer, uh, a summer, a term coined by Frank the Clown. It's very appropriate because I feel like this is going to be an important run for me. And we're going to do a lot of really cool stuff, which I'm sure we're going to we're going to touch on here in a moment. And starting off with some of the stuff you've been doing uh, for months, you've had a serious beef with Warrior Wrestling Women's Champion Athena. And you've tried to use Jai AQA to try to take her down. But unfortunately, None of that stuff has worked out for you. Mm-hmm. No, it's all these WWE cast-offs all want to maintain a shred of relevancy. So what do they do? They find where Frank the Clown is at. And that's exactly what Athena has done. And sure, she on All Elite Wrestling now. Yeah, whatever. I mean, she's just going to lose the Jade Cargill. Anywho, but yeah, I mean, Athena broke Frank the Clown's arm. And Frank the Clown, you know, because he has incredible uh, genes and incredible regeneration within his bones. You could see, well, you can't see because this is, a, this is an audio podcast, but he's moving his arm pretty well nowadays. So Athena has been a thorn in Frank the Clown's side. And not only did those two eventually let me down, Shazam McKenzie also let Frank the Clown down. So that's now three women that have failed Frank the Clown when he thought he had the right choice to finally dethrone Athena. And I, I don't necessarily know what the future holds for Frank the Clown and Athena, but... Frank the Clown has not forgotten about her. Frank the Clown will strike when the time is right, even if she has to wait a little bit longer. But I like to kind of keep her looking over her shoulder, wondering when Frank the Clown's going to attack. So, yeah, Athena has been a, uh, a nuisance, to say the least. Yeah, have her child prodigy, Trevor Atla. Well, yep. You know, Trevor's had a rough go at it the last couple months. You know, he's taken the fall for Frank the Clown, and that's why I love Trevor. He's there to protect Frank the Clown. You know, Trevor is currently injured. He's on the shelf. He cannot compete, but he wanted to make himself valuable as best as he could, and he's been there for Frank the Clown in in Frank the Clown's darkest moments. Again, Frank the Clown had his arm broken. He didn't ask for his arm to be broken, but it was, unjustly, of course. And then Frank the Clown had Trevor by his side to protect him and be there. And, and that's what he did. He took the bullet for Frank the Clown. And being, you know, Frank the Clown's child prodigy, he has to pay some dues. And, and you know, and it, whether it be uh, getting his arm broken, it, you know, it sucks. I've, I've lived it. Or getting his face smashed into a, a, a thing, a cake, a $5,000 cake, may I add. You know, Trevor is, is there for Frank the Clown. That's why Frank the Clown loves and believes in Trevor Outlaws. So, as you've noticed here, there's a trend that the Frank the Clown circle is growing bigger and bigger. And the war on warrior wrestling has been continuing, but who knows what other surprises or 
who some other surprises will Frank the Clown have? Lest we forget, as stipulated by your contract with Warrior Wrestling, you have a championship match in your pocket. Yeah. You use it or someone in your stable uses it. So how Fred, does that work? Frank the Clown would never reveal his plans to such a podcast host as yourself. However, this is very true. Frank the Clown does have this. He's held on to it since January. And Casey Navarro, who Frank the Clown loves Casey Navarro. He's a great representative for Warrior Wrestling. He will say nothing bad about Casey Navarro. That's, that's Frank the Clown's kind of guy. He, he's doing great on his own. However... Whoever holds that championship, whether we're friends or not, is always in danger because, again, Frank the Clown is playing chess while the rest of them are playing checkers. And Frank the Clown is, is born a champion. And wouldn't it be something if Mr. Warrior Wrestling was Mr. Warrior Wrestling's champion? It just fits. It just makes sense. So who knows whether it's me or one of, or one of my men? Frank the Clown would like to have that championship around his waist one way or another. Casey Navarro coming out of with the title, or it could be the other guy that some people also call Mr. Warrior Wrestling, Sam Adonis. <laughs> who, who are the other people, Mike? I don't know. I think the only other people that call Sam Adonis Mr. Warrior Wrestling is just Sam Adonis himself. You see, Sam has not been on as many Warrior Wrestling shows as Frank the Clown. That's a fact. You can go look it up, cagematch.net. Also, Sam is... is when you walk out and, and you come to the ring, you can put Sam Adonis, play his music, and you play Frank the Clown's music. Then the, the crowd will tell you who Mr. Warrior Wrestling is because they're making noise one way or another for Frank the Clown, for better or for worse. So Sam Adonis can be the self-proclaimed Mr. Warrior Wrestling. Frank the Clown isn't the self-proclaimed Mr. Warrior Wrestling. He just is Mr. Warrior Wrestling. All right, now we're going to fast forward to freelance wrestling and their next show cheap pop on august 5th at logan square auditorium and where ironically enough your man robert ego anthony is facing storm grayson and you're going to be robert ego anthony's corner fighting against storm and storm is the your current freelance world champion so and <sighs> mick foley is also the special guest referee so there's a lot of things going on in this match that may be confusing some fans. Could you clear it up a little bit, Frank? Frank the Clown is loyal to Robert Ego Anthony. Robert Ego Anthony bought, essentially brought Frank the Clown to freelance wrestling. And we have a long running history with each other. In this particular freelance universe, Frank the Clown and Storm Grayson are not friends. Storm Grayson took something away from Frank the Clown and Robert Anthony that we want back. And because he had so done that, we, we, we must punish him. We, we must take care of business and get back what is rightfully ours. He got lucky. Let's just face it, that the last freelance show, he got lucky. He got a quick little roll-up. He caught Rob and, and Frank off guard. And we won't never let that happen again. And now he wants to bring in someone very close to me. And that is WWE Hall of Famer, but also my, my father-in-law, Mick Foley. Now, the last time Mr. Foley and I shared a ring together, it did not end well for Frank the Cloud. Frank the Cloud is his very shoddy memory of that night. But from what he does remember, it didn't end well. And, you know, Mr. Foley was trying to attack Frank the Clown and, and his genitalia while the crowd was chanting and, and, and like bloodthirsty savages that they are. But that was three years ago. That was 2019. This is 2022. We're almost actually three years to the day of that happening. Frank the Clown is now three years smarter. He's three years more experienced. He's three years tougher. 
and he would never let such a thing happen again. And also, Frank the Clown and Mick Foley's relationship is now three years stronger as well. So a lot has happened between now and then. And Storm is going to bring, you know, Mr. Foley in, and and everybody is just sitting there waiting for Mr. Foley to attack Frank the Clown again. But again, Frank the Clown always has a plan. And <laughs> to be honest, Mr. Foley is also three years older, three years heavier. So he might not be able to catch Fred the Clown in the prime of his life, the prime of his athletic career. And Robert Anthony will take care of business because, again, Robert Anthony is essentially the Brock Lesnar of freelance wrestling. And if that makes him the Brock Lesnar, then apparently I'm the Paul Heyman. So we must get back what is ours. Again, Fred the Clown is the freelance Frank champion. Can't take that away from Frank the Clown. But Storm Grayson has another thing coming to him because he's he's gotten a taste of the gold. He's got a taste of the main events. But can he do it twice? I, I, I have severe doubts about that. But I know that the ticket sales for this particular show have been the fastest, the most bought tickets so far in freelance wrestling's history. It's going to be a sellout. If, if you haven't bought a ticket, you, you have to, like, right the second because it's it's legitimately getting close to a sellout um which would be the earliest and quickest sellout ever and a lot of my friends and family will be there in the house there will be a frank the clown contingent it's going to be a special night but not for storm grayson for frank the clown and robert ego anthony and honestly not for mick foley either so sorry there's just something about you and freelance wrestling and when you walk into logan square auditorium the place erupts in hatred for Frank the Clown. I mean, you have history against Tyler Ray and some of this other stuff you've been doing with Ego over the years. It just, you have this magnetic attraction for hatred and booze. And Frank the Clown sells tickets. I will give you that. He sells tickets and he tells stories. Yeah, I mean, Frank the Clown sells tickets better than almost anyone on the independents. Uh, Frank the Clown is you know, a bona fide main eventer. I just don't say it to say it. It's, it's a proven fact. We, we've been main eventing at Freelance for, for years consecutively now at Warrior Wrestling for years. Everywhere I go, Frank the Clown is a main eventer. And, and again, this, this particular show is going to be special. The crowd is going to be extra, extra hot. The entire card is shaping up to be very, very strong. And Frank the Clown is the face of the Logan Square Auditorium. It, it just is what it is at this point. And, and, Again, when, when Frank the Clown and Robert Anthony walk into the room, you know you're going to get what you paid for. You know you're going to get a show. You know you're going to get one hell of a wrestling match. And again, as you said, you're going to get one hell of a story. And on August 5th, it's, it's going to be no different. In fact, it might be the greatest story that will ever be told at Freelance Wrestling when Frank the Clown and Robert Anthony reclaim our Freelance Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> Moving on to another part of Chicago Pro Wrestling. Freelance Underground, that's where you manage the Brothers of Funstraction, and they are the current Freelance Underground Tag Team Champions. More championships. Yep. It was a shaky alliance at first. You guys were kind of a little slow to kind of get along and get together. But then Ruffle and Yabo finally bought in. They regained the title. They always do. Boom. Yep. And that's a- they all, Like I said earlier, one by one, they all start to believe in Frank the Clown, whether it be performers, promoters, and everybody in between. And Yabo and Ruffo, a little rough around the edges, right? I don't, they're their own men. They're, they're, they're true beasts of, of a pair of brothers. And with the right guidance, they can do so much more. And that's what Frank the Clown saw in them from such an early, early time. And let's, 
be honest, Frank the Clown would not be a freelance underground if he didn't see it being worth his while. And again, Frank the Clown shows up, wins championships. Because Frank the Clown only gets out of bed for two things, Mike. That's main events and championships. And he, Frank the Clown went there, took care of business immediately. And now the brothers are on the right path, the path to superstardom. And with Frank the Clown honing them in and, and giving them bits and pieces of advice, but letting them be them and do their thing in the ring. Just maybe we'll tone down the clowny stuff a little bit. We don't need all the rubber chickens, although Frank Clown may have passed the rubber chicken to them, but they can get it done without all the antics. And Frank the Clown has been teaching them that. And even in Frank the Clown's absence, as he was traveling the globe, they took care of business because Frank the Clown believed in them as they believe in Frank the Clown. And now the three of us together, the family of destruction are an unstoppable force of freelance underground was at that show in Joliet a couple of weeks ago where your, your guys retained that championship, but there was a little bit of uh, chicanery going on in the outside with a rope that pick and pop got tied up and they couldn't factor in the decision. You guys, and you guys took care of Joey Marks for the finish. And I believe, I personally believe that pick and pop deserves another opportunity at those titles. Well, that's what you believe. And, and luckily for us, you're not the decision maker. So we'll leave that up to the powers that be. And really the powers that be are Fright the Clown. Fright the Clown will pick and choose his opponents. He doesn't get told what to do. He tells others what to do. So if pick and pop want another opportunity, well, work your way back up to the top, kids. Okay. Now um, let's go on to one of your other passions. Pro football, the NFL, the LA Rams. And we talked about this at length last summer when we had you on the show. You went on record and said the Rams are going to be great. You didn't quite say they were going to win the Super Bowl, but you said they'd be 13 and four. They'd be a one or two seed of the NFC. You were just off by one game. They were the three seed as well, but they ended up beating Tom Brady's Buccaneers en route to winning that Super Bowl over Cincinnati Bengals. And tell me a little bit about that whole ride that you took as a fan with them last year. So one thing about Frank DeCon is he tells no lies. And maybe I wasn't, maybe I didn't go on record and say that the Rams would win the Super Bowl, but I was most certainly insinuating it. So I was there for the week one against the Bears, um, your beloved Bears, I believe. And the Rams took care of business and jobbed the Bears out as we all expected. And I was at SoFi Stadium because that was the first game with fans at SoFi. So that really, that night was Matthew Stafford had 300 yards and three touchdowns. And suddenly everybody in that building was like, there's something here. And for the longest time, and I I didn't not believe in Jared Goff, but Jared Goff was probably holding the Rams back a bit um, to what they wanted, like their final form. And Matthew Stafford really didn't get the respect in Detroit for 12 years. And, you know, he was putting up big numbers down there, just wasn't winning games and they just weren't surrounding him with necessarily the tools needed to win consistently um, and had coaching carousel and everything. So now you come to an established system under Sean McVay. That is, you know, he is a quarterback whisperer, a quarterback guru, um, an offense that is loaded with skill position, talent, uh, all pros across the board. And look what happens. And then you, you factor that in with a great defense, which again, Stafford did not have in Detroit. You have arguably the greatest defensive player of all time, Aaron Donald. You have Jalen Ramsey, another Hall of Famer, you, you, Leonard Floyd, an, an all-pro. And, and again, it, the stars were aligned now. It wasn't easy. Uh, the Rams had some, had some tr- like uh, in November, they didn't even win a game. I went to Lambeau Field and I was at that Rams and Packers game. They didn't look great. 
And, you know, they made some moves midseason, brought in Von Miller, brought in Odell Beckham, which essentially really saved the season, I think. And they get in the playoffs, they get a home playoff game, they dispose of the Cardinals. No problem. Cardinals, give me a break. And then I was at that game. Next game was against the defending champs, Tampa Bay Bucks. It was one of the most wacky football games ever, ever. And I, I had told, you know, my girlfriend, who is not totally in tune with what's going on in football, I, and I told her, like, this game is going to be talked about for decades because of what, what ensued. The Rams were up 27-3 at halftime. They should have been up 34-3, to but they fumbled at the one-yard line going in right before the half. And at the time, I was like, whatever, right? Like, this game's over. But you know, it's never over with Tom Brady on the other side. And I remember sitting there, and I was actually first row uh, behind the Rams bench, like at the 20, 30-yard line. And, like, you know, I remember staring at the clock, like, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and I was, like, hoping the clock would just tick down faster. Like, please, please, please. It was 27-10. It was 27-17. And then it just slowly, slowly was just like, oh, my gosh, this is becoming a real game. And it came to a point where it's like, I don't even know if the Buccaneers will have enough possessions to get this back, but the Rams fumbled over and over and over four times. They fumbled. Cooper Cup fumbled. That never happens. Cam Akers fumbled twice. They had a snap go flying over Matthew Stafford's head. I mean, everything that could have went wrong went wrong. But again, when the time, when the game was on the line, Matthew Stafford delivered. Delivered to the Triple Crown winner and receiving yardage, touchdowns, and catches Cooper Cup. That catch happened literally in a perfect straight sight line from me. It was such a therapeutic win. It was such a relief. I don't know what I would have done my, with myself had they lost. It would have been such a devastating loss. And to beat Tom Brady oh, and bounce him out. And what we thought was retire him. But now he wants to come back and get beat by the Rams again. That's fine. The Rams have won their last three games against the Bucs. So we, we have the Bucks number and Tom Brady right now. But again, I, I mentioned this off air to you that NFL Films was recording, you know, they're at all the games and they had found me being in the front row. And after Cam Akers fumbled, which then led to the Buccaneers tying touchdown late in the fourth, they had filmed me right the moment of that fumble. And it literally looks like my soul is leaving my body. Like it is, oh, it's a horrifying video to watch. Now, under the circumstances that they won is now fun to look back on. But had they not won, it would have been like, you don't want to show anyone this video. But, uh, but all in all, the Rams went and, and, they avenged the ghosts of the San Francisco 49ers and put them down the rest in the NFC Championship in another thrilling game, which they had to do a fourth quarter comeback, a game Frank DePont was at. Then it all capped off with the Super Bowl. Cincinnati Bengals at home, SoFi Stadium. Again, Frank DeClown was there. It was one of the happiest nights of his life, one of the most emotional nights of his life. I have videos from the fourth quarter, the final drive of me reacting. Um, I had put my phone in my lap and just hit record and just didn't even look at it and was just letting it all play out. And on that final drive, and I had told the story on elsewhere too, and my body was like, I had no control over my, my emotions and I wasn't crying. I'm, I'm really not an emotional person at all, but tears were literally just pouring from my face, not even before they scored, just going into the last drive. Cause I was so filled with anxiety and riddled with nerves. Cause I was, all these thoughts are going through my head. Like, okay, what if they lose? That's going to, that's going to be awful if they lose here. Um, this ticket that I paid for cost me a very significant amount of money and it's not going to be to me for nothing. I have a significant financial implications via gambling on this game from not only preseason future bets, but also doubling and tripling down for this game in particular, um, which is going to make this night a lot worse. 
And then like, you know, as, as a sports fan, like you never know if you're going to get back. You never know how the franchise will, what will shake up, what will change. It's so difficult in the NFL to get to the Super Bowl. So it was a perfect storm of what we're here. We got to take care of business. Now we lost in 2019. We got a taste of it. We got to take care of business and the stars shine the brightest on that drive. Cooper cup, Matthew Stafford defensively, Aaron Donald making the last two plays to seal the deal. It, it was such a magical night. Um, I, I, it was incredible. I, uh, I was with my buddy, Stephen Amell, uh, the green arrow and then Jack Spade on heels and um, with his wife and a couple other of our buddies and, to, to be able to share it all with all the friends. And then I went to the Rams after party afterwards, actually. And it was, oh my gosh, it was amazing. <laughs> I'm marking out the Frank the Clown. This is Frank, this is Frank the Rams fan now talking, but uh, an incredible night. I mean, they had the trophy and Sean McVan's stage and all, everybody was there. The whole team was there. And it was like, I was there like five in the morning. I don't, Frank the Clown doesn't drink. So I was completely stone cold sober, but uh, so I have full memory of the nights and it was just, it was, so 20 years plus of being a fan that I watched so much shitty football for so long to have it all culminate on that night in LA at home, surrounded by people I know and um, being at the party and everything and being there for the whole playoff run with incredible games along the way. Um, it was special, very special. So now there's only one thing to do. Let's run it back, baby. Let's run it back. It should be pretty good again this year, and I think they're yeah. really formidable, definitely. Yeah, and you know, you look at the scale of the NFL, and let's just focus on the NFC. The NFC is really weak. The contenders to me are, you know, Green Bay, which, you know, they're going to be there, but they lost Devontae Adams, yep. did not aptly replace Devontae Adams. They were already struggling with other receivers getting open before. Now they really don't have a go-to. Um, and their offensive line is sometimes shoddy. Their defense looks pretty solid, but... Again, Aaron Rodgers has not proven that he can win consistently in the playoffs. doesn't matter if he's at Lambeau or not. So I feel like the aura of the Packers has taken a hit. And then you had the Buccaneers, which Tom Brady, as long as he lives, is going to be a threat. However, at some point, they might, he might turn into the Peyton Manning noodle arm for the Broncos, where just out of nowhere, you're like, oh, he's done. And the Bucs lost a lot of pieces, too, um, you know, offensively and defensively. And then, you know, you have the 49ers, which are just so, they're such an annoying team and they, they, they've had the Rams number, but they have a quarterback mystery going on there. And then who else? I mean, Arizona, I don't really see them as a threat. They'll be solid, but the Rams own the Cardinals. And then beyond that, I mean, the, the, the Bears, let's be honest, uh, you know, we're getting six wins out of them, maybe. Uh, would, beyond that, I mean, New Orleans, Jameis Winston, no, no. Uh, the Vikings, they're good for eight or nine wins. They're not a threat. The, the Seahawks don't have Russell Wilson anymore. The NFC is, is the Rams to lose. And I know I could be arrogant now because we're the champs. You've got to come through the Rams. The AFC is a murderer's row. So whoever gets to the Super Bowl, they're going to be beat up by the time they get there. But the NFC, you know, to me, it's, it's, you're going to have to come through LA to take it. Now you talk about your Rams fandom. And that started with the great, greatest show on turf team, Kurt Warner. Last year, or earlier this year, I think it kind of was in the December and earlier this year, there was a movie called yeah. American Underdog with Zachary Levi playing Kurt Warner. And this was an awesome movie. Now, you had to have seen it, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really cool. I mean, Kurt Warner's story is incredible. I mean, to literally go from bouncing around from training camp to training camp, then working in a grocery store to going to the Arena League, which I don't even know if he, is the Arena. I don't even know if Arena Football is even still a thing. Yeah, they're um, done now. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's other leagues like the USFL and stuff and that have spawned off, but like to be able to make it through there. And then just the thing I say is like, think about if that were to happen to today where, you know, God forbid Patrick Mahomes tears his ACL and some unknown quarterback that has never played, taking a snap in the NFL comes in and not only wins games, but then goes and wins the MVP and then goes and wins the Super Bowl and is the Super Bowl MVP. It's, it's unheard of. It'll never, ever, ever happen again. And yeah, that movie did a great job. I wish they would have focused on the football side of things a little bit more. Um, they kind of like, I don't want to say hurried through it, but like it, it was only in the last 20 to 30 minutes with him being on the Rams in the movie. But um, yeah, it was, it was really, really cool. Zachary Levi, I, I like Zachary Levi's stuff a lot. But um, yeah, that was a great story. Again, it will never be replicated. All right, so how did you get involved in local wrestling? I mean, I remember you had a brief run at Berwyn Championship Wrestling in 2018. And I <laughs> yeah. believe I also saw something where you were doing some things for Resistance Pro before that. Yeah. My first appearance in, in like the Midwest and Chicagoland was, was freelance actually back in 2016. Um, I had been a part of the pre-show to advertise Holy Foley, which was coming out that summer. And the reception was uh, predictably not uh, very warm for Frank the Clown. So Frank the Clown flew off the hand a little bit, said some things to some people there. And, and then Robert Eagle Anthony confronted Frank the Clown. And actually, that was the first night him and I had ever met. And we had vibed from that night forward. And it still took Frank the Clown about two years to get back to freelance. Again, going back to what I said earlier, one by one, they all start to believe. And it took them a little bit to believe. And I had done some other shows. I did some stuff in like San Antonio, Texas, and I did East Coast stuff. And here and there, I was kind of picking my spots. I had done a resistance show, like you said, which I've forgotten about. I had done um, Berwyn a couple of times, but really freelance was to me kind of the launching point. Freelance and Warrior were the launching points for me where I was consistently being featured um, in, in pretty prominent roles. So that's what really kickstarted it. So really between 2016 and 2018, I was very just one-offs here and there, here and there. And I wasn't even sure if I was committing to it all the way too. But, um, but then like 2018 is where I really ramped things up. And then, you know, all throughout 2019, I feel like I had a strong year going into the pandemic. Pandemic hits, felt like I was really hitting my stride during the pandemic. And then that hits. And, uh, you know, Rob and I, especially a freelance, you know, we had come off the match with Kylie, which was, you know, to me the best was actually to me the best i feel like the best independent wrestling match i'd ever seen um and to me the best freelance match of all time with all due respect to everybody else but then the pandemic hits kind of cuts off everybody's momentum and to me personally i was like man like you know i got to stay busy i got to stay active i'll try and do instagram lives and and, and do promos yeah. and then you know i had done some stuff with gcw and the collective when the summer of that year and you know i've been i'm the gcw boogeyman i, I only pop up once or twice a year but when i do trouble follows and uh so then like, you know, when things open back up, I, I had, I mean, I made a promise to myself that, you know, we're going to hit the, we're going to hit pedal to the metal really hard and, and hit the ground running. And I feel like I've done that and really continue to, to build a really strong body of work. That's the most important thing to me is, is building a strong body of work. And uh, I feel like, again, I've done, done that, but you know, the work is never done. I've had a chip on my shoulder since day one. Because people did not want Frank the Clown around. They did not believe in Frank the Clown. Frank the Clown was the front row fan for so, so many years and was just looked at as that nothing more. And now I truly believe, you know, I'm the best manager in independent wrestling. It, there's not even a close second. And it's just a fact, you know, no, you, nobody can even present a case because Frank the Clown can not only, you know, bring others to the top into the main event with him, but Frank the Clown can also stand on his own two feet. 
yeah, I may not be a full-time wrestler. However, I can carry segments or whatever you want to call it, or shows and, and angles where I don't think I'm hard pressed to find others that can do that. So you could put Frank the Clown in on any part of the show, let Frank the Clown be creative and Frank the Clown create moments. And I feel like I've proven that time and time again. So am I the best manager in wrestling as a whole? I, I don't Do I believe it? Yes, of course. However, I need to be on the level of the others and compete with them in their house to then call myself the best. So, you know, if uh, AEW, WWE, whoever, you know, gives the opportunity, um, and again, one by one, they all come calling, then, then, you know, I will continue to prove myself. A friend of the is a TV made product waiting to happen. That's funny you mentioned that because that was going to be one of my uh, last questions too about are you looking to parlay this wrestling manager deal into something bigger down the line? Absolutely. Um, I don't know if this is a known thing, but I, I mean, I, I posted about it, but I kind of left it at that. You know, I was asked to be at AEW last November. Um, I was there. I was backstage. I was ready to go. Um, things did not, you know, things didn't work out that night. And that's just how the wrestling business is sometimes. Um, but I fully, fully plan and expect, you know, I expected of myself to be back there and be used again and whether it's not there or WWE, wherever. Um, I think that my talents and my skills uh, could really help any company at this point. I think I could be an asset anywhere I go. And, you know, I, I invest a lot in my presentation <laughs> financially. I mean, I, I wear different outfits every time. They're not cheap. It's, it's the real thing. I invest a lot of time in working on my, my, my promos and my craft. People don't see that work that goes into it. They really don't. Uh, you know, I've, I, I've, I've worked training in the ring. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm Will Ospreay, but, you know, given the opportunity, I think I could really surprise a lot of people. And you never know when that opportunity to surprise some people may come. I'm winking. I'm winking. Um, so, again, I, I just really believe in myself. And people can sometimes say it's arrogance or cockiness, but I think it's just confidence. And again, I've, I've really have went out there and, and proven a lot of people wrong and, and silenced a lot of doubters. And I've been on this crusade for a very long time to get the respect that I feel like I deserve and that I've earned. And again, people are really taking notice now. And again, I'm just going to continue to go out there, do what Frank the Clown does, seal the show, main event, help others, bring them up to Frank the Clown's level or Frank the Clown. We help each other. That's a thing. It's a mutual thing. If I'm with Storm Grayson, I'm going to bring Storm Grayson up. If I'm with uh, Shaz McKenzie, who I fired, so I will never be with Trevor again, then I want to help elevate everybody that is around Frank the Clown. That's what it's all about. All right, Frank, before we let you go, go ahead and plug your social media, whatever merchandise you have, whatever upcoming shows that are on the docket. Frank the Clown social media is at Frank the Clown underscore. Yes, you got to include the underscore. It's a whole story in itself. You know, the other Frank the Clown accounts have been overtaken and uh, they haven't tweeted in many years. And yeah, Frank the Clown's working on it as best as he can. But Frank the Clown underscore, Twitter, Instagram, prowrestlingtees.com slash Frank the Clown. There are Frank the Clown micro brawlers, limited edition of 300, available at m3toys.com. Frank the Clown will be at, as we had spoke about, oh, there it is. Mike's holding it up right now limited edition 300 pieces that's a fact and there's very few that i have and i have a lot of them that's a thing so there's even less than 300 in circulation because i have a lot of them in my house um 
And then, yeah, again, on the schedule coming up here is Freelance Wrestling, August 5th, Cheap Pop. It is going to sell out. It is going to sell out very soon. I have the ticket numbers. It's not a marketing ploy. It's not a sales tactic. It will sell out before the day of the show. So again, for those, it is Storm Grayson defending our freelance championship against Robert Anthony and Frank the Clown with WWE Hall of Famer, my girlfriend's father, Mick Foley as the special guest referee. And let me touch on this just a little bit more. This is, if you're familiar with freelance wrestling, this is not freelance's MO. They do not bring in the Hall of Famers and the legends. This is a very once in a by a lifetime chance to see this, this happen. Uh, Mick Foley at Logan Square is a site that will to behold, and it's actually going to happen in a couple of weeks. It's, it's, I, I'm actually surprised it's happening too. Uh, but hey, it's going to be one hell of a night. And then again, uh, Frank the Clown will be a freelance underground. Frank the Clown has a couple other things up his sleeve that is not announced yet that may be going on very, very soon. So again, Frank the Clown is, is legitimately everywhere at this point, whether people like it or not, baby. <laughs> all right, Frank, it's been a pleasure having you back on the show and uh, good luck with all of your future endeavors in terms of warrior wrestling, freelance and everything else. Luck is for losers. Frank the Clown just gets things done. All right, great conversation with Frank the Clown. And he is an awesome guest. We love having Frank on. Whether you love him or you hate him, Frank the Clown is money. He sells tickets. And we hope to have him back on down the line. All right, next week, we'll talk about some more local action. Plus, we'll preview SummerSlam and a special guest for next week, a much-anticipated interview, 17-year-old phenom, the current second wrestling champion, Space Jesus, Billy Starks, plus a bonus interview. We will also hear from two-time former Impact Wrestling World Champion, Eric Young. Billy and Eric will join us right here on Windy City Slam Podcast. So long, everybody. Bye.